But where are the clowns? Send in the clowns. Don't bother, they're here. Hello, and once again, welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. Featuring the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment relevance. That prospect is looms larger than it's ever been. It's nearer <laughs> than we could have possibly imagined. We're yes. going to we're gonna have to change the boilerplate at the beginning of the song to indicate we, that. We, uh, we did. We, we were saying late 40s, and you've moved yeah. us back to mid-40s. Yeah, but it's like we were staring down the prospect. It's like now we're in the shadow of it. It's like it's, it's, it's a here. It's looming like a, like a brutalist building above us, you know? Right. We're in the eye of the yes. irrelevant storm. The wall is passing. It's a little sunny overhead. We're getting a bad. We're getting a wrong impression that oh, we're okay, and it's right. like no, we're no, relevant this. again. Nope. <laughs> All right. So I am your. Co-host. I was never relevant, Bill. Let's be honest. My name is Bill Scurry, as as my friend says here. Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, which Noah, uh, as you well know. American Caesar Enterprises is a quasi-governmental entity which spans the gap between public and private, with an emphasis on growth. <laughs> Whose website did you steal that from? I'm curious. It sounds. It sounds. It sounds too, good. It sounds too close to the truth. That's the thing. I, I should. I should say that about my company. But I, I have. I have. My a, company. I, wait. I have a 19 inch business, a stack of business cards with this written on it. So I. This. I this has got to stick. This has got to land. It, it's at the top of your LinkedIn page. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Very what do you, you say your company does? Uh, I, I, my business is not like that. My business is called the Big Quiz Thing. Oh, by the way, my name is Noah Tarno. I'm the founder of the Big Quiz Thing. I'm the senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing. And it is the trivia game show spectacular. You're also uh, accounts payable for the Big Quiz Thing. Uh, yeah, I have some help with that. I'm trying yeah. to think, what other, what other suites? I know that you have a big office in San Francisco. And yes, all, of, all, all of the offices, they're all, I mean, because you wear so many hats, you literally have a different room for each. It's like, I really do. I really so do. you're the CTO, the CFO, the CEO. I'm not the CTO, not anymore. Okay, you're not the CTO anymore. I'm the CFO. I'm the CCO, Chief Creative Officer. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer, which is possibly our biggest problem. I'm looking for a marketing person. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm the man, but wait, wait, I have you, some help. I don't want to discount the people who work their asses off. For me. Are let's, you, let's be clear about are this. you the office manager? So for instance, if there's a birthday in the office, do you go out and get the, the cookie <laughs> that they, they pipe, they pipe the name of the person's who birthday is on the cookie? Do yeah. you get that? Well, considering that like I physically, no one on my team works with me. One person I'm sort of working in kind of does on occasion. Uh-huh. Uh, I no, I don't do that. I don't. I'm not pathetic enough yet, Bill, to buy myself a a personalized birthday cake. <sighs> I'm, I'm uh, I will say out. this though: you say I have a big office, and um, I uh, I go to a co-working space, and I started going to a new space earlier this year. Long story. Well, my old space closed for COVID, and then it reopened, and I decided to go to this new space, and it is massive. And they're just now people are starting to come back to it. But like I've spent days there where like I could have taken up. 50 chairs, 50 desks, and no one would have cared. It is this massive, like, four-floor space that, like, there are days there are three people there. Wow. I'm, any day now, they're just going to shut down. It's, it's, it's the Twitter 2022 of co-working space. You know, the first thing that occurs to me, if I had that much space, like, and if it was yeah. really there for you to abuse, what I would have done is got one of those gigantic novelty hokies that was like 40 feet long and had it brought to the office. Set up all what's the a, desks. Wait, what's a, a hoagie? Like a, a sandwich, like a gigantic hero sandwich. Oh, hoagie. I thought yeah. you said hokey. No, no, no. Like, a, okay. Yeah, that's what I would have done. If it just Maybe, it, Like do a big hokey pokey over... Yeah, here's the problem, Bill. I don't... It's a co-working space and I don't... I have like the cheapest level. Some places call it like a hot desk or whatever. I just bring my laptop and I sit wherever there's room. And as I said, there's a lot of room. The problem is I don't have any storage. So, like, I can't leave anything there. So, if I bring a giant hoagie that spans 12 desks, I have to either eat the giant hoagie <laughs> or carry it home on the mean streets of San Francisco. Yeah. And no, somehow I, fit it in my, in my fridge. You know, both, both of those uh, options are, there's a lot of comedic relevance, and I'm not really sure which one Always. I prefer. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Speaking of comedic relevance, yes. uh, on this show, we always look at something that's new, that's hot, that's happening. That's on the cutting edge of popular culture or general culture. Last week, we looked at 
politics. But this week, Bill, this was your suggestion. Yes. It's the first movie we've looked at in since Cha-Cha Real Smooth. I looked it up. So oh, okay. A fair yeah, amount yeah. of time. Right, right. And, you know, Bill's the movie guy. He is... He is Movie expert, I it's would my, say. It's my métier, you might say. It's his métier, as you would say properly. Um, and uh, you suggest this movie. I hadn't heard of it. We watched it. It's happening. Tell us about it, Bill. <laughs> yeah, uh, I first heard about it because I saw the poster art uh, pop up on different venues like Letterboxd, which I used to log and review movies. And to be fair, the, the imagery of this movie is a garishly... A brutal-looking, mean killer clown, which certainly isn't the most original thing. You, you have seen this with Stephen King before. Um, however, I didn't know what this thing called Terrifier 2 was all about until a good friend of mine, Mr. James Hancock, who runs a podcast uh, called Wrong Real that I've been on a million times and a YouTube channel called Geeking Out with James Hancock, did a spotlight. Does he do a review of this? He did an episode about this? He did an episode, not on the audio, but on a YouTube. He did a YouTube video. That really? Because I, I like him, and I'm curious yeah. what he said about this. So, yeah, all right, pa- I'll past up. friend Thank of the you. program, guest of the show. Uh, yes. So he did this thing, which put this uh, in my head that, oh, this is a little bit of a sensation, because, you know, sometimes we talk about things that are, uh, you know, enormous uh, trends, sometimes things that are sort of like social memes, sometimes things that are on, you know, on kids' The lips of the kids and that sort of thing. And it's like, and then there are sensations that are small phenomena, but I think are worthy of discussion. And this is one of them because I would probably guarantee unless you muck about in film and or film culture, this is probably largely unknown to you, even though it might be Mm. in a multiplex somewhere around you, or at least available by streaming. That's kind of where I think it's doing most of its business. It's on a new horror-focused streaming platform called Screenbox. And I believe it might be on Prime Video or it's coming to Prime Video. Right. But and Screenbox is sort of debuting with, hey, sign up with us and you get Terrifier 2. Yeah. And it's it's a sensation. I've read enough about it. It's getting press. You yeah. Know, this is yeah. a very worthy topic. I it's think. a streaming site called Sludge Bucket. Uh, I don't know. Sludge, Sludge called Bucket. Called Vomit House. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is a movie called uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Wait, that's not it at all. Hang on a second. No, the movie's called... It's a Ter- movie calling Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Yeah, the sensation I, all the kids are talking about. It's the sequel to Sylvester Stallone's Oscar from 1991. Right, let's, let's speak, it's called Terrifier 2, Bill. I think you've barely mentioned that before. Terrifier 2, a 2022 feature film from an independent film director named Damien Leone, an auteur from New Jersey working the low-budget horror genre. Uh, Leone was responsible for a few features in short films previous to this, including, obviously, the original Terrifier, since this is called Terrifier 2, and that was in 2016, so you get a bit of a gap here between the original Terrifier and this one. Uh, the director prepared the production for the sequel by securing modest, low budget from, I assume, traditional sources, which is usually uncles, aunts, credit cards, things like that. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it, it, I think he had five figures to play with which is not an insignificant $250,000 no this is before that this is before that oh okay um, I think he had something like 50k in his hand uh, and he was asking for another what he was doing he, he started to go fund me afterwards um, you know his his original intent was to do a, a modest low budget movie which is a hallowed trade a lot of filmmakers come up this way it is a proof of concept for your skill to be able to work with less and do more so this guy had realistic expectations that he's, I think he's from central Jersey, which is not too far away from Noah Tarno country, uh, maybe more inland and not necessarily uh, the coastal elite like you in the oranges, Noah. But uh, don't, don't let coastal me speak. Elite. We're not on the coast. You're on the coast of New Jersey. We, I haven't lived there since 1989. <laughs> we. Uh, so the thing is, is that he had the idea of an Indiegogo for the purpose of expanding uh, his margins for makeup effects, knowing full well in order to do his vision, uh, and if I haven't already mentioned, Terrifier 2, according to its name, is a horror movie, which does feature the, the clown I mentioned on the box art. Well, we'll get to the plot in two seconds, but I think that the passage of events from idea to execution is sort of interesting, and that's kind of the... We're not talking about this because of the movie. We're talking about this is because of the sensation of the phenomenon about it, and how it came to be, I think, is pretty interesting. So in 2018, his Indiegogo ask of 50k, which would be a lot if you're just, you know you're just passing this around small board donations between 
double digits and single digits from fans essentially is what you're going to get from a lot of people you know and he was just saying if you help me make the you know make the makeup budget for this you know what you'll wind up getting is this streaming movie that is probably according to your vision as a horror fan it's going to hit you right between the eyes roll right down the middle of the uh you know like a groove in a bowling alley it's what you're going to get somehow he got 250000 through a vast pouring of fan enthusiasm. I think it was reported it was 430% beyond the original ask, which wow. doesn't happen very often, but you do hear about phenomena like this off of Kickstarters and, and GoFundMes and Indiegogos and things like that. Uh, which, you know, that's a vote of confidence, essentially, to go into shooting, which started in 2019. Uh, the production was halted, as many things were, because COVID shut everything down. They got back to work in 2021 to finish it, to, to you know, close the deal. Um, you know, he made the movie he wanted to. He got a couple of uh, surprise cast uh, members. I don't know how this happened, but Mr. Chris Jericho, who's a WWE uh, veteran, shows up at a very small and, piece. And terrible person. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about he's him. A, he's a big Trumper. Big Trump. He looks like one. He looks like one. I don't know. A lot of WWE guys are, are pretty liberal, but not, not, not Mr. Jericho. They're not all CM's punk, as it were. Yes, not, not all punk's CM. Yes. Punk CM, yeah. Philip uh, Brooks. Uh, the release began, this theatrical release began just a few weeks back. I think it was September or something like that. I didn't, I couldn't find exactly Doesn't when matter. it was. Yeah, so somehow it got 886 theaters. I don't know what uh, production, how we got distro in, in theatrical, but 886 theaters for a tiny budget movie is pretty good, considering that it's, it's constantly being crushed by things like Black Adam or whatever the fuck else was coming out. You know, I'm sure there was a million Minions movies that, you know, that, that they would choose to show that seven seven times a the, day. The Minion movie of the week. But uh, I guess that's a power, a testament to the internet. But, you know, on, at that nearly 900 uh, theaters, it grows 400,000 on the opening day. It On the whole weekend, it, um, you know, it got 800, what is it, $805,000 on the opening weekend, and it made a million the next weekend. It actually increased one weekend to the next. This is as it's, it's getting very good word of mouth. But the thing is, is that the trend is movies drop off anywhere between thirty to sixty percent from one week to the next in terms of your major feature films. Like for instance, Black Adam came out was the last kind. Black Adam had a big weekend for The Rock, and that was a movie that had been steaming for a while for him. By the way, Black Adam is terrible. Don't see it. I, I t told no about I it. It wasn't that bad. Uh, you know. It was okay. If you're not into DC Comics, don't bother. Yeah, exactly. But and, and The Rock phoned it in. Talk yeah. about a lot of money for low effort. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, I mean, you know. He was the, he it's was, not that bad. I've seen way worse superhero movies. He was the EP on that. Anyway, that, that experienced the typical drop where it made a ton of money for Warners. It dropped off as it's expected to. They know these things are disposable. Movies aren't supposed to do what this movie did, which is to increase from week to week on a, you know, smooth, a slow bore uh, increase. So uh, first two weeks of release, the film grossed 3.4 million. It expanded to 1,500 theaters in its first, its fourth weekend. Uh, you know, essentially, it as as of uh, I think as of this as of press time, as we used to say in the old uh, days of uh, print journalism, it, it currently has almost eight million dollars on a 250 thousand dollar budget. That's as, good. As far as I can tell. The only other example of this kind, and I, I made a joke about it before, but it, this kind of ROI from an indie movie came from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, the Nero Vardellis movie came out. In really? Not not Blair Witch Project? No, Blair Witch Project, I think, got, it, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, I think, did more business. Um, just because of how much it earned. Like, My Big Fat right. Greek Wedding was a $2 million budget. I think it grossed something like $300 million, which is... And it was, it was almost as gory as... <laughs> Yeah, uh, you don't remember that scene in my big frat Greek wedding when yeah. at and the wedding where Andrea, someone is Andrea Martin comes out with a chainsaw, yeah, yeah, chainsaw and, and flays Nia Vardolis alive. Yes, and uh, the the I mean, I, I guess the point of the plot, I, I I hated that movie. I fucking I was so smarmy and self satisfied. Oh, I, you know, I I've never actually seen it. I I'm not oh, interested. It's I, I watched it on a bus. It's terrible. Yeah, that's as it was. It was movies to watch on buses. That's a movies to watch on fucking Hasidic Jewish buses from D.C. to New York with no choice. It just played. There was no announcement. Nothing. It just played, and you couldn't. You could not watch it. So shoot the, me. The plot yeah, to this movie, in a nutshell, is if it matters, is uh, uh, I know this is ridiculous. This is uh, quite literally the last thing we're going to talk about is the plot of the movie. But uh, well, up, no, that's important here. But please tell uh, us. Picking up, I the, think it's a point. Picking up in the first installment, Terrifier One, I guess because neither of us watched it, although Noah. I read, I read a plot synopsis. Yeah, 
Uh, this killer clown on the on the box. This Art the Clown stalks a girl. Named Art the Clown. Art the Clown is his name. He Art stalks, the Clown stalks a girl named Sienna for some reason. He slowly kills everyone she knows over the holiday of Halloween. Kind of a run up to a party, as it were. Uh, he does so with every violent variety of execution and torture, namely blades, hammers, acid, guns, and whatever he can get his hands on. Yes. It's, um, it's very violent. And, and there is some prophetic thing in the story about how this woman, Sienna, is apparently the only force through unspecified means which can Woman. Act. She's like 17, dude. Well, she's a high school student. She's portrayed as 17, but she's played by... Yeah, the actress is 42. Yeah, she's 42. Uh, she's the only thing that we understand because the movie says so the only antidote for Art the Killer Clown is this this woman who just is seemingly a cosplayer with some skill and we don't quite know what that means um, yeah and, and none of that is really made exactly clear uh, about the movie but now here's the thing is that this is so not Noah Tarno's bag and it's barely I, my I wouldn't say that well, we, what do you mean it's not my? It's more my bag than most of the things we talk about on this show. Uh, I would I wouldn't have thought that a horror movie of this ilk, with it, with its grand Google ah. type thing, you know, like this doesn't uh, come up. Very you often you don't know me at all. I don't know Jack. Uh, so I'm really curious, uh, just because it is so dissimilar from something we anything uh-huh. we've kind of talked about before. Where where did where did this find you in life? Well, I like scary movies a lot, Bill. Okay. Uh, I'm not a gore person, but I don't have a you know, particular problem with gore. And there's a lot of gore here. I think this might be the goriest movie I've ever seen. I mean, this is not... I, one of the stories about this movie, which I, I'm sure is media hype, is that several people at screenings have fainted or vomited or stuff like that. Which is I what mean, they, they, they have, used to write that on the posters back in the day. Right, remember? they used to hand out barf bags and stuff. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I imagine like one woman went to see it and she had had a bad burrito, so she threw up. And the story spun out to, you know, it's so, it's so, but it, but I will say it is very gory, yeah, very yeah. violent, very explicit. Uh, and at times the gore felt gratuitous, but that's okay. You know, people like gore. I'll get to in a minute. I don't think there's a problem with gore. And boy, does the film commit to the gore. It gives you, if you want gore, this delivers. Uh, the cruelty is imaginative, which I think is, you know, if you're going to make a story about gore, that's what you do. There's pure viscera, there's blood, there's brains. And, you know, I think gore is, of all the things that are like held out by moral schools, is like bad for you and corrupting. I think gore is one of those things that isn't bad for you. I, I mean, I'm no expert, but I have always viewed it as a healthy release of negative emotions. You know, that, that, People can very easily enjoy the violence, the, the blood, the guts in fiction and still, you know, tell the difference between fiction and reality and not be, you know, not be numbed to real pain, real violence and real suffering. I mean, presumably all these actors are still alive and not mutilated. So, like, well, we don't know. Really we don't know for sure. About? I read a few articles. I think they'd say. And by the way. You know, after this actress got, you know, her brain exposed, she was in a, you know, there was an accident and she actually died. I don't know. Considering we heard about Alec Baldwin shooting that stunt person, we would have heard this. Uh, So here's what I liked about this movie. Art the Clown, as in the first Terrifier, is played by an actor named David Howard Thornton, who got his start as a stage actor. He played a character in the How the Grinch Stole Christmas Broadway musical. I don't know if he played it on Broadway or the traveling version. And he plays Art the Clown. Art's gimmick is that he's, he's a, a colorless clown. He wears a black and white outfit. And his face, the makeup, he, he, his face is demonic looking. He's got like rotting teeth. So it's this odd mix of clown and, and scary. Isn't he? He's one of the types. Right? Like a Pierrot. There, as the act, there is a, yeah, a class to the like clown. A, like a, a Harlequin look. And he never speaks. He never speaks. Even when he's injured, he never makes audible sounds of pain. Um, I think David Howard Thornton, who plays Art, is superb. I think this is one of the best acting performances I've seen in a movie in quite a long time. I'm not exaggerating. He is an absolute master of physical expression. The balance between menacing and flat-out funny. I mean, there are moments where Art is actually laugh-out-loud funny in the midst of torturing people. Um, you know, Damien Leone gets credit for creating the character, as he did. Actually, Art appeared in a short film before Terrifier 1 where he was played by someone else. 
And yeah, it makes sense that people alighted on the character of Art and said, ooh, this is great, make a whole movie about it. But Thornton is realizing this character's potential. And a lot of people have said in articles about this, and I agree, it's plausible that Art the Clown will become an icon on the level horror icon like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger. And more so, I think he might become the scary clown in our culture, which is impressive because the scary clown has become an absolute cliche at this point, right? And we, uh, have, we, Lauren, have, we have a pretty big one in Pennywise already occupying that We spot. have a big one in Pennywise. You could argue the Joker is that, but I think art is poised to, to seriously, to overtake them all. Uh, and partly it's Thornton's incredible performance. I'm very impressed with him. Uh, Lauren Levera is the young woman who plays Sienna. Uh, I think she's very good as well. She apparently started as a martial artist. She's a very uh, accomplished martial artist. And that was partly why they cast her. But I think she's a good actress. She plays the character well. She is a very solid final girl slash screen queen, the terms used for characters like this in horror movies. She carries the movie sufficiently. You care about her character. She feels real in a necessarily unreal movie. And hey, she's sexy, and that's part of the selling point. I mean, there's you don't, you don't see nudity, but you see close, and they... They put it out there and it, it it's gets a, it's the a job tra- It's done. a tradition. Like you say, it's a tradition. It's, yeah. And it's, you know, fine. Why not? It's a movie. Uh, the film is, I found it visually very appealing. I'm sure you could speak more to the filmmaking techniques, but I was satisfied with them. I thought the music was generally well done. This movie is genuinely disturbing, which is, of course, the goal. I watched it 36 hours ago and it has really stayed with me. But that's it. That's all I liked about this movie. Uh, <laughs> David Howard Thornton is excellent. Lauren Levera is pretty good. Every other actor is terrible. Terrible. The boy, Elliot something, who plays Sienna's younger brother, is just a miserably bad actor. Uh, the woman who plays their mother, uh, I thought she was very pretty, but she makes some very poor character choices. And I think it really, really undermines one of the key plot points, the relationship between this family relationship, the mother and the daughter and the son. And, you know, part of this is, is on the hook of the, their father committed suicide and somehow he has some connection to art and that's why she's the one able to stop him, blah, blah, blah. And all the other actors are terrible. Uh, I, and look, I don't want to say they're shitty actors. They might be the best actors since freaking you know, Al Pacino, but they aren't given much with this script. Uh, there are cliches everywhere. At the beginning, the credits are like in this weird 80s-style horror font, but then the movie starts, and I'm confused. Someone's using a laptop. Like, oh, this is set in the 80s, like Stranger Things. Nope. So, like, why that cliche? It's just, like, lumped in there. You know, the the couple gets murdered right after making out. The girl is chased by the slow-moving killer. The climax is at a spooky old carnival. Cliche upon cliche upon cliche. And I know horror often leans into this stuff as a form of homage, but it just felt lazy here. And you said we don't want to talk about the plot, but that's my biggest problem. The plot needs serious work. There are plot holes all over the place. And the worst thing is, look, David Howard Thornton's great. Art the Clown is visually very arresting, but he's really more a fascinating icon than a fascinating character. There is, he is, there is nothing, nothing is explained. Where did he come from? Why is he manifested as a clown as opposed to other, you know, demonic things that scare you? I mean, I seriously think the only reason he's a clown is because Damien Leone said, I want to make a disturbingly scary character and people are scared of clowns. Like, that's it. There's no explanation for that. That might make for a good idea, but you need to give it some underpinnings if you want to tell a story. I mean, as is, it might as well just be a creepy poster that like a teenage burnout hangs on his bedroom wall. We need something here. Seriously, what are his motivations? Why is he killing all these people? They'd say it's something about the kid's dead dad and a psychic link and there are bizarre dreams and there's this little girl ghost clown that only some people can see. And then there's this magical sword. Sienna is killed, but then she comes back. There are a lot of unanswered questions. And a lot of things I read say, oh, it's a setup for the sequel. They're going to do part three. And I'll say, no, that is bad filmmaking. You could set up a sequel but you, you, you can't have the movie completely reliant on waiting for the sequel. You know, people often say, oh, well, the gore is great, the special effects are good, visually it's appealing. Fine, that might make for a good experience, but that doesn't make for a good movie. 
You know, just great special effects or great gore. It might as well be a ride at Six Flags. This is not a bad movie, but it's not a particularly good one either. Uh, I thought everything you said is correct. I th- actually think it was a terrible Thank movie. You. I did not like really. This, did not like Terrifier this movie. was terrible. I gave this in movie one and a half stars on the basis wow. on the basis Dude. of uh, Thornton's Dude. Thornton's uh, performance is like you say it is a triumphant Commedia dell'arte pantomime. He's which, really fucking good. He's really guy. good. He's really good. It is a I don't I don't want to say a dead art, but the particular art of clowning, that kind of kinesthesiological acting, the art of movement. And I've I've known a few clowns uh, from my time in New York working with the, the you know the comedy scene. There's a lot of you cross, kidding me? I know nothing but clowns. There's a lot of cross disciplinary uh, study between people who take comedy very seriously and people who study clowning with traditional masters, people from France, people from Italy, people who work in circuses. And almost uniformly among actors, when you get to a certain level, people think of clowns as almost like the top, the top perch of expertise in terms of performing without words. And there's something. It's to not that. easy. It is it's not, not easy. easy. At all. It's it's an old yeah. art and it's antiquated, but it's it's still among one of the finest arts if you really drill down deep into it. So this has that. The thing is, it's like everything you said. There was. You know, what you didn't mention was the two-hour and 24-minute run oh, time. Oh, yeah. They, this should have been edited. They could have easily chopped off 45 minutes. This easily. Was, this there's was a lot a, of talking. Between the violence, there's yeah. a lot of talking. This is a 70-minute movie, no doubt. 70 to 75 oh, minutes. Geez. No, I'm serious. This is a really? 75-minute movie okay. stretched out to two, nearly two and a half hours. And I can't quite grasp why Leone, the director, had such a maximal vision unless, of course, his balloon got so filled with helium after the size of that uh, gigantic give from public. Maybe he thought, I need to go maximal. I mean, he went maximal in terms of the Grand Guignol aspect of the tone and, and how gory it was. But it's like that would have, you know, it's like the, it's it's uh, it's five pounds of horror in a 15-pound bag. Granted, a lot of the stuff does carry weight, but there's just so many conversations. There's so many, you know, just character development, people doing things that don't matter, stuff that's not shocking, stuff that's supposed to be... It's, it's completely weightless watching these these flaxen cardboard actors, for the most part, go about doing this stuff. So I think this movie made so many more bad decisions than it made good decisions. Um, I'm going to praise, like you say, there's an auteur example or an, an auteur feature to Damien Leone's horror aspect. He clearly is an opsomath of gore because I think all the makeup effects were directed exactly the way he wanted. There is mm-hmm. cr- cruelty and sadism and oh. ca- catharsis. Oh, my God. It's as, over the top. It's, as, it's yeah, so extreme. It's as big and as extreme as it's ever been done on film that I've seen, I should say. you know, And I've yeah. watched a fair amount of these so-called video nasties and things like that. Um, but everything else is just such an abysmal exercise in, uh, again, like I said, uh, uh, local community theater acting and or non-acting. <laughs> um, everything else seems to fall apart. Where it's, I, I almost wonder to myself, is this whole movie a conceit? Am I supposed to be looking at these not-ready-for-prime-time players who are padding out the rest of this movie in contrast to how fully realized the makeup effects, the organs being pulled out of people's bodies, the the shudders of true horror, visceral, you know, real-looking gore, you know, like compared to how how thin and wispy the performances were, I almost think is the is the facet is this movie facetious? So why why is this catching on the way so many you know indie movies do not? Well, this delivers on the unflinching gore fest that he oh said he, he said he was setting out to make I, new new heights of gross out new heights of horror. It, it dares the audience to cheer this anti-hero, which, I mean, I think that's part of it. He's, he's not just, you know, he's a... He's not an anti-hero. What makes I, it... He's a villain. And yet, the way that people are... You never on, take his side. No, but, but people want to see Michael Myers. People want to see Chucky kill. Yeah, like but I don't think that defines an anti-hero. In this case, I think in horror, it does. There's something about... Really? Yeah. yeah well, it, I mean, maybe, like, like, if he were killing horrible people... But These why, characters aren't bad people. They're just bad actors. Why is uh, 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 Leatherface? Why is Freddy Krueger? They're not heroes. They become icons through through some. They become icons, but I don't. I don't know. We're debating with the meaning uh, of antihero. Yeah. Not a, not I a don't point. think that's what an antihero is. Okay. I think it's just a charismatic villain. But there you go. Charismatic villain. Um, yeah. 
you know, the, the audience member, when they are located, and apparently they have been located, they are being found, is, is put through, as, as I said, a, a gut bucket, a grand guignol, to, to quote the French, uh, of slaughter. Uh, and I think that really is a hand clasp that makes them feel like they found a home. There's a particular type of person who's looking for this, and there's no, there's no uh, aspartame that fills the sweet, sweet tooth you have for this. You need the real thing, and you see right through it. Um, and those people then become evangelists. They're not just on the team; they become members of the of the ground, uh, you know, the ground crew in terms of marketing and that sort of thing. And now, here's my parenthetical aside, Noah. Um, I've had a, a bunch of years to think about this because I've I've watched the behavior of the horror sector in film as a genre, and you know, we've both seen a lot of horror movies. But one thing I've noticed that I would say in the last twelve years or so of looking at film more analytically. Um, the, sh the shortest line between you and success as a filmmaker in any genre might, in fact, be horror. In the that same was Ed Wood's idea, right? Yeah, it was. And, and this yeah. is in the, in the same way. When we did the Linda Lindas, I said something similar, that one of the shortest lines between an artist and success could, in fact, be punk music because there are fewer yeah. moving pieces and it's more organic. Yeah. There's something more it's primal. It's easier to learn. It's easy yeah. to learn. Yeah. And it, but, but it's adherence become it's it's adherents are fanatic about it in a way that other genres aren't necessarily as fanatic about it and the thing is i have seen every time uh horror friends of mine in in film clicks friends you know people i know in person people i've met online every time they start talking about a movie that becomes a real groundswell uh you know of, of organic uh you know organic support i said oh maybe i should see this and it's like invariably 20 percent of the time does this thing wind up being oh like this is not a good movie however <laughs> i see what happens it's like you know what this delivers an enzyme that they don't have in their diet because they're deficient of this and for some reason horror fans are very uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Not permissive, but there's this idea that they let a lot of weak product in. If it, right. if it in fact crosses off the the, the discrete boxes right. of horror, you're almost allowed in. And every time I watch a horror movie, it, 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 it's halfway to pornography. It's so, not so much about making a good movie; it's just about what it stirs and the yeah. animalistic side the, of and, me. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that. I say this because I've watched so many movies that come highly touted and highly lauded, and I watch it like this does not fill the quota of a good movie. I see this is filled with cliche. This, you know, this adheres to every single thing that all horror is expected to. You know, it's it is a yeah, it's a gut bucket ride to the senses. It has this character that you know for sure is a bad guy, and it's a design. It's a pumpkin head. It's a Chucky. It's a Hellraiser pinhead. You know, like there's some new version of the same thing. But all those guys don't do, you know, they don't do things so much different than the other versions of it. They occupy the same pole in these movies. And I just found like everything Terrifier 2 does cynically, I think, I don't think Demi Leone made it cynically. I think he made it very earnestly. However, I think that it, it just lapses into so much cliche because we're awash in so much cliche and it's so hard to figure out something new to say. And the guy just decided to say, forget about the cliche, let me do the things I know how to do very well. If this guy Leone, I'm, I'm getting out of popular territory, but I'm saying my, my closing thought on this is that if Leone could brush up the rest of his direction game to match what his skill is in terms of gore and horror and all those things that he does right, he could be a real threat. But as it is now, I think that this is a product for the converted. This is a product for people who already know they like this right. kind of thing. Yeah, he 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 lacks the rigor of a educated, rounded, intelligent rounded, filmmaker. A rounded yeah, filmmaker. He's not. He doesn't see what's. I mean, he's a little Zack Snydery in a way. He doesn't. He doesn't see. I think you're right. That's what what's important about the film, other than just I gave you. A, you know, remember what Zack Snyder said? I gave you a Watchmen with balls. Like he thought the reason people liked Watchmen is because it was superheroes acting like real human beings, as opposed to you know violent. He thought violence was the thing. It's not. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you speak to how horror is always, you know, always has a leg up. And if you do horror right, and by right, I mean, actually disturb and scare people, you, you have a good, uh, you, you have an easier way of, of reaching the masses. Uh, you know, it did bother me. I said, it really bothered me how we don't know arts. I mean, I don't want the full origin story of art. I'm not saying I need that art, the clown. But like, what are his motivations and why is he a clown? And I just think Leone said, I want to disturb people and clowns are scary. Uh, so I think you make a 
memorable, scary clown, you're going to attract more eyeballs. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, about three, four years ago, uh, definitely pre-pandemic, so maybe four years ago, I'm at this street fair in Berkeley, California with my nephews. So at the time, they're like 14. And the two of them and a couple of their friends, and we're walking down the street, and there's a clown there. And he's just an old-fashioned, you know, he's doing, kids are gathered around, he's doing balloon animals. He's not a scary clown, he's a, he's a fun, old-fashioned clown. And the, and the boys see the clown, and the first thing they say is, oh, it's a clown, he's going to chop us up, he's going to kill us, he's going to murder us. And I really thought, like, you know, it's funny, like, the, the clown, the stereotype of the scary clown, the violent, you know, murderous clown, has, like, exceeded the stereotype of the fun, funny, child-friendly clown. When we were kids, clowns are still primarily funny, and then, like, ooh, poltergeist, it's a scary clown. Or, or, they're, or they're sad, like Pagliacci or whatever. You know? Or Well, but funny was number one, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think in our popular culture, I think scary has overtaken funny. And I feel bad for, I mean, I'm not big into, you know, traditional red-nosed clowns, but, like, these people work hard, and they have potential to amuse children, and it's not fair that everyone assumes they're fucking serial killers. Uh, so you have clowns, people are going to be more likely to pay attention. I think it's no, you know, newsflash to anyone out there. We are living in precarious, scary times. And during those times, people want entertainment that pushes the boundaries of fear or paranoia. Uh, you know, the, the, in the 50s with the paranoia about, you know, nuclear war and the Cold War, there was a lot of alien invasions. Giant uh, ant movies. Giant ants. Te- you know, technology gone amok. In the early 2000s, it was zombies. I think a lot of that was reaction to terrorism. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like horror was more... Gen- in the 80s, there was 70s and 80s because it was still nuclear warfare. I think in the 90s, horror was a little more gentle because we were living in relatively peaceful times. Uh, so I think we are living in extremely scary times. So to do something that is extremely visceral, you know, the, the worst torture you can imagine in shockingly realistic, you know, uh, conceptions, uh, is going to scratch an itch with a lot of people. So it makes sense to me this thing will catch on. And despite its plot problems, it is technically, I think, well-made. Nothing here is good for you, so grab yourself a tray. Cause food's a little funny at the Clown Cafe. No, I think back to when you were a kid uh, watching USA Network up all night. Would you have liked this when you were that age? Up all night? Was up all night really scary or was it just like weird? It was sleazy. It was sleazy. There were a lot of boobs. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, they they cutaways and edited boobs, but yes. Right. Uh, Anyway, uh, when I was a little kid, I never would have watched this because I was too squeamish for real horror. I was terrified of real horror as a kid. Um, By the time I was in my 20s, I started embracing that stuff. And I can imagine like seeing this when I was 22 and like really saying it was like, a masterpiece because I really fancied myself a connoisseur of comedy. I was trying to do stand-up comedy and I could, and I was also pretentious and I could see myself getting very pretentious. You know, I say now David Howard Thornton is excellent and I believe that, but I could see myself getting all pretentious about how it is a master of the clowning arts and the tradition of commedia dell'arte and like me sending an angry letter to the Academy after if he's not nominated for Best Actor Oscar. By the way, did you see the news story? They put up Terrifier 2 for Oscar consideration. Uh, I love that. But I they're immediately yeah, saying it's yeah. a stunt. They're like, they're like, oh, this is a stunt. This is a total stunt. Uh, I, look, it's, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it should get an Oscar for makeup. You know, the makeup here is better than fucking some, you know, Merchant Ivory movie. Gary Oldman but, uh, as a Churchill from a few years back. Yeah, right. I mean, look, you never know these days. They're, they're giving Oscars to superhero movies. So I, I've heard crazier things than, this, than David Howard Thornton being nominated for Best Actor, but I don't think it's likely. Um, so, uh, yeah, I could see myself as a kid getting pretentious and saying this thing is a masterpiece. But with, with the age, I, I feel like I'm able to appreciate its, you know, its positive qualities, which are, you know, worth considering and also clearly see its many, many flaws. Yeah, I think that this was, this was designed for us in particular of all the generations. Well, not we were the first generation, but we were certainly 
of a wide-eyed agog age, especially at the at the uh, advent of VHS uh, take-home movie technology, when we went from the drive-in from the midnight feature to you know, uh, tracking error-filled uh, bad VHS tapes with all the color shittiness and it's just the sort of culture of putting in a VHS tape and, and, and seeing Basket Case right. or something like that. You know? Oh, man. Yeah. Here's the thing. All those movies, I used to look at the covers and just get at terrified. the video store. Yeah. I never watched them. I never rented them. Maybe once, you know, in a while if a friend had it. But, like, just seeing the covers of things like Basket Case gave me nightmares. Yeah. I mean, that was the point. And so this is in the grand yeah. tradition of, of VHS gross-outs like Faces of Death, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, though, which you were talking about. Killer couple... Clowns from Outer Space is a good movie. Yeah, the Chido Brothers. You were telling me that a couple of weeks ago. You were talking about it It's a, a good movie. It's a good movie. It, talk about good makeup. Holy yeah. shit. It's those, that was the thing. Those two guys, the Chidos, yeah. came from that background. They made it to do the makeup. And they built a feature yeah. around what they were strong, which yeah, is, I like... think, what this guy did. You know, there, yes. there, there's also like Reanimator, all that that uh, Stuart uh, uh, Stuart Gordon stuff, Cannibal Holocaust, like you mentioned, Ruggiero Deodato, yeah. I Spit on Your Grave, uh, a movie which is it's a, a movie, great title. It, a movie, you know, the movie is is it is a rape revenge uh, uh, ride, man. And the the weird thing about that movie is that it's like set. It looks like it's set in the Bayou. It's shot in Greenwich, Connecticut. In 1977, you wouldn't believe it because nothing about it looks like Connecticut. But anyway, that, I'm digressing. You know, this this is exactly made for younger me when I think that there's this forbidden transgressive power to movies that we're not supposed to see. You know, I mentioned the video nasties out of the UK before. A movie had a power. Like you know how hard it was to get a VHS copy of Faces of Death. It was at the video store sometimes, but you know this is before Blockbuster. But you were not allowed to rent it unless you were eighteen or older. Right. And it's like so you needed. An there was old... that little room with the horror movies. Yeah, yeah. That like you were scared. This to go was in. this was like getting a six pack of beer when you're fifteen yeah. because your friend's yeah. older brother bought you Budweisers. This this had that you know like trying to hold on to a piece of Quicksilver you know like you really couldn't get this I mean now there's no there's no uh, effort to this whatsoever because this stuff is just scattered all around you like fucking uh, sand um, but this is this is in the same tradition in a, in a way it's like this movie is the thing the artifact of the old days inside the landscape of today and it can't behave the same way and yet the guy's doing very well with it but you know it's like he has this appreciation for the way it used to be you're not supposed to have this is the existence success of terrifier terrifier night terrifier 2 the terrifiering uh, is that in any way a sign of the apocalypse? Well, like you were just singing, a lot of people don't know that the theme song was written by Quincy Jones and Rod Temperton. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, did Tur Rod Temperton co-write Thriller? Yeah. I thought Michael Jackson co-wrote it with Quincy I, he Jones. He did, he did. There was a number of different writers. And Toto played background on Terrifier. That's too, right. As they by the way, on Terrifier. Yeah. By the way, have you ever listened to the lyrics of Thriller? And they're they're submoronic. They're a little silly, yeah. There, the creature with eight eyes or no, something? There ain't no yeah, second right. chance to get the thing with 40 eyes, girl. Yeah, that, that, that too is a little what? silly. What? Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's, that's bigger problems of Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we're going to stop. We're going we're gonna to put a pin in that of all the things. But yeah. Anyway, I do not think that this is a sign of the apocalypse. It was written by Rod Temperton and nobody else is okay. what I'm seeing here. Here's the song final. is credited 100% to Rod Temperton, your... produced by Quincy Jones. Okay, okay there's your there idea. Yeah, this, this movie is a pressure release valve um, from the, the laughable corporate echo chamber of, of streaming feature IP production, which uh, only suits itself to making entertainment for every single demo, all this, this four-quad demo at the same time. And, and I have been saying this now for the last two years or so. When you make a movie for every demo, it's going to fail generally. With it. It's not for anybody. Mm -hmm. If it's for everybody, it's mm -hmm. not for anybody. It's, it's going to be this. Exactly. It's a, you mentioned Submaronic. I think that's so much of this stuff. You go to watch fucking Jungle Cruise or, or you know, people have been shitting on the new Halloween movie. Granted, that's not made for, you know, that it's that is a horror movie made with this idea that it can cross over demos. And, and it's like it's failing because. Really? Just, Who's it. it for other than dirt bags and. No, or it's it's maybe, a, you know horror fans. It's intended to be more crossovery than that. Certainly, that is what its like core. for for kids' birthday parties. Like, but who, 
Anybody who can watch a movie. There's no there's no barrier really? anymore. That's the point. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so no, this isn't this isn't a sign of the apocalypse. I mean, I think that the the cratering and the sundering of the studio system, where everything is being decisions are being made by marketers and and CEOs, and you know things are algorithmically squeezed through the fun factory extruder to see what the product should be. This is clearly not that. This is clearly one man's vision. Uh, I think it is a it is a, a alternatingly shoddily made and incredibly visionary type vision, depending on which five minutes of the movie you're watching. Uh, <laughs> no, I I don't think it augurs any any. If anything, it you know you'd think that this is what crowdfunded movies could aspire to this level of financial success and crowd galvanization. Um, but in and of itself, it doesn't take anything away from the universe. I don't think. Yeah. No. I don't think this is a cause of the apocalypse. I mean, maybe it's a sign in what I said before, like we want extreme extreme boundary pushing in our art when we are living in extreme times, right? So like the fact that this is the goriest thing I've ever seen and it's a hit means, you know, the world is, you know, it is evidence that the world is on edge. Uh, so maybe. Uh but no, I mean, you know, if this were a documentary and this thing had really happened, yes, you know, if there were a supernatural killer clown torturing people to death, I think that would be a sign of the end of the world. But fortunately, of all the things we have to worry about, art, the clown, you know, being real is not one of them. So. Yet. Noah, let's wrap this up and talk about jealousy. Uh, tell me yeah. about the, the Damon Leone complex and how it might uh, inspire some envy in you. No, I'm, here's what I'm jealous of. Well, obviously I'm jealous of, you know, he cut corners in certain ways. You know, I, I, reading stuff, people are like, this guy's a genius. Like, eh, you know, why, why aren't I a genius? No, um, you know, when I was younger and I dreamed of being an actor... Did I tell you, Bill, I'm taking, starting in 23, I'm taking an acting class. Oh, how about that? I haven't That's taken awesome. an acting class in years. It's, they're fun, like, man. They are fun. I'm going to do, and I, and even at the school I looked at, I placed into level two. They said, if you used to act a lot, but it's been years, level two is right for you. I'm, I'm, like, act, yes. I'm acting all the time right now. Uh, life is a, life is a, all the world is a stage and we are merely players, as, as Neil Peart said. Uh, you know, when I was a kid and I wanted to act, I thought it would be fun to play like a horrible villain. Like, it would be really satisfying to play, like, the most evil person you can imagine. So, like, again, if I had encountered this in my 20s, I'd go, oh, my God, playing Arthur Clown would be so much fun. But now, with the wisdom of age, or maybe the exhaustion of age, I think it would just be depressing. Like, I even read something about how, like, David Howard, throw on the set, he was the nicest guy, and it's not like he stayed in character, and as soon as he said, cut, you go, oh, are you okay? And... There's like fun photos of him covered in blood in his costume, smiling with the kid. And I just think it would be depressing to play that character. So there's nothing here I'm really jealous of. Well, I'm jealous of the Quicksilver that this guy seems to have caught in the bottle. Well, yeah. Um, with, with what I had judged to be ultimately, I'm sorry to say, ultimately mediocre product. Um, look, you know, if his non-viscera, uh, his non-organ direction doesn't improve... Um, I don't think I then I don't think I, I don't really have a basis uh, uh, of, of Andy of him as a creator, you know, and I'm sure he's going to have a free hand. Like you say, he's going to have a free hand to make whatever film and entertainment he wants to next, uh, regardless of how sh shaky I think this is. Horror guys, you know, do it as a David F. Sandberg got to do Shazam. That guy came out of a pure horror background. And the guy Scott Derrickson, who, who made the Insidious movies, did Doctor Strange. You know they're 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 calling up guys from the B team to do big budget stuff, and they're not always it doesn't always work. In fact, the two guys who did Moon Knight for Marvel were kind of like horror guys too, and I don't think Moon Knight really succeeded as well. I mean, look that had more that might have more to do with the system that they're being asked to work in rather than the fact that they're choking in in terms of their like sophomore efforts. Um, you know, but because I had fancied myself a filmmaker from time to time, not recently, you know, like this guy is doing all the things that I could have pictured myself doing in 2010, 2011 in terms of crowdfunding something and getting mm -hmm. his friends together and, you know, having a base of actors, which I, I did. I had no shortage of actor friends who were willing to work with me for, you know, a pittance merely to say that they did a project, merely to keep busy, merely to exercise their skill. 
And, you know, in New York, there are really great actors just laying around on every street corner. That's not an exaggeration. I don't <laughs> Literally think laying around these yeah. days. I don't think that's... <laughs> ne- street corners. I don't think it's necessarily true in Central Jersey where this guy's from because the talent base was a little a little weak, but... Um, okay. Yeah, no, I know. There was... Uh, you know, my one year of high school in central New Jersey, pretty good uh, yeah. school theater. But that's all, not all the talent moved to oh, Montreal and Los Angeles. What are you going to say? Yes, exactly. You know? Montreal and Los Angeles. That's it. Uh, okay, Noah. So uh, our final thing. What about the Felonian scale, our XYZ yeah. axis of all the topics? Where do you think this yeah. uh, falls? All right. So I looked at um, movies we've looked at in the past year, couple of years. Here's what I came up with. This is Cha-Cha Real Smooth times 2.1. Uh, or everything everywhere all at once times 0.65 or the batman times 0.87 or zola times 1.46328 see i thought you're you're gonna like do the exclamation point like the permutation at the end into some sort of integer factorial a factorial yeah yeah oh yeah no that's not the exclamation point you're thinking like an e or something okay yeah I don't know. Math wizards, feel free to email yeah. us and, and tell us. Check our other our other podcast where Noah, uh, yeah. yeah, our math cast, math where cast. we talk about math. We just I just repeat the numbers of pi for two hours every episode, <laughs> and I have eight and I have eight hundred thousand downloads. That sounds like a Yoko Ono album of some sort. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, on account of this thing being a um, a style of filmmaking which seems to have a membership. Or practically what you might term as a subscriber basis to its popularity. And I I do think that's true. I think that's the key to all this, if you're going to walk away with any takeaway here. Uh, I'm forced to think of Indie Sleaze or Brandy Melville, Noah, uh, which are on account of them being similar niche style cults to some degree, which people engage in as if they were inside of a fiefdom or behind a high turreted wall safely nestled inside withstanding a siege pounding on the rocks of the fortification uh rather than you spent a lot of time on that i did rather than think of it purely as the other films because i don't i i was thinking there's a phenomenon here it's not necessarily the film but it has to do with what is the gestalt and i think that it fits in more with the other style cults along the way uh, granted, I don't think Andy Sleaze people are nearly as fanatic about as, as the horror people are about um, Terrifier, but uh, I thought it was sort of worth uh, busting down the door a little bit just to, to look at it, another topic. Okay. So there you have it. Are you going to see uh, Terrifier 3? I, I'm going to unsee Terrifier 2 if possible and just get really? that time back in my life. I'm telling you, it stayed with me. I, it's... It's fascinating. You know what? I, th- I think like Barry Lyndon is only 10 minutes longer than Terrifier 2. And let me tell you, which one's the more worthy experience to watch? You know what I'm uh, okay, fine. But that's apples and oranges in a way. But. All right, everybody. If you'd like to see our uh, past episodes on the topics of apples and oranges, both separate episodes, uh, by the way, look on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us. No and Bill don't get it at gmail.com. Give us a review in the aggregators because that's how people find podcasts is by aggregator mention and direction or we, we, we're going to pretend we don't really know how aggregators work or how they function in the podcast space. It's really not important. For the time being, you can find me on Twitter and we'll, uh, maybe we'll discuss that at some future, uh, some future topic. It may demand itself be spake of. At William Scurry, uh, my YouTube content is on youtube.com slash amcaesar. Now, here's Noah. Uh, go to bigquizthing.com and book your customized live trivia event spectacular, the finest live trivia events in all the land. Uh, booking heavy for the holidays right now. Already booking for 23. Uh, corporate private fundraiser, uh, virtual in-person hybrid uh, starring me and the rest of the finest team of Quizmasters all the worldwide. Uh, BigQuizThing.com and, uh, you know, check us out on Facebook if you want. Uh, let's not talk about Twitter for now. Okay, everyone, until our next episode uh, when Noah Turner will dress up as a scary clown and show up in your window fogging up the pain with a knife in his hand. We don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2022.